Welcome to the Church Intention Podcast, powered by the King's University and Gateway Church. This is a place to have healthy conversations about areas of tension in the church and the intentions of the church. To dive deeper into the conversation and for more content, visit churchintention.com. Now let's join the King's University President, Dr. John Chastine, for this episode of Church Intention. Well, hey, Church Intention family, we're so glad that you're hopping on here again to check out today's episode. And today I got a, a really exciting guest with me. His name is Dr. Dan Call, and he has become a really close friend of mine. He's actually on the faculty here at the King's University. We've had a ton of guests on the show. We've had a lot of great pastors. We've had people in worship. We've had people in systems and in the executive pastor roles. We've had a lot of great guests. I'm really excited to bring Dr. Call on because he has both the background of pastoring, he has an affection for the local church, but he also brings in the higher education piece. He currently serves at the King's University as the director of, of the Doctor of Ministry program here. So if anybody out there is looking to get a doctorate of ministry degree, Dr. Call's your man and TKU's your place. Uh, he's also the associate professor of practical theology here at TKU. And I want to, you know, brag on TKU for just a second. Imagine that. Um, but, but what I love about Dr. Call and our faculty is, many times, what you find at seminaries and universities are people. There's a reason why pastors refer to seminary as cemetery. And what I love about TKU is that our faculty is made up of people who, yes, are highly intelligent. They're highly, uh, they, they they're theologians. Um, but but beyond and more than that, they love the local church. And I think that's so important. I actually want us to get into that. So, Dr. Call, I'm so excited that you're with us on the show today. Welcome. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. Um, I I come with greetings from my wife, my children, uh, my grandchildren, who all knew I was going to be on here today and are ready to hear some amazing thoughts. Uh-oh. We'll have to be careful then, because your grandchildren and your no, children. I don't think so. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I was telling Dr. Call before the show today that this is probably the least prepared I've ever been for a podcast. I usually have notes, I have questions, I have all this stuff. And Dr. Call, you and I, we talk all the time yeah. about the local church yeah. and we have great conversations. And so I'm going in today with very little to none plan, which is kind of fun and scary. Sure. So um, I just kind of want to jump in. First off, I want the listeners to hear your background to get kind of a framework for where you're coming from. So I know you've been a pastor, um, and then you kind of got onto the higher education scene. So yeah. maybe just quickly show it, tell us a little bit about what you've done, where you've been, where you pastored, and how you got to become a professor. Well, you're right. I'm, I'm a mixture. I'm sort of called a hybrid. Uh, I have spent 23 years in pastoral ministry at various stages. I was a youth pastor, started in the Bay Area of California, uh, back in the day, and then went back into the Midwest. So I was a youth pastor for about 11 years, thought I would do that all my life. And then I started feeling a nudge to um, get some seminary training. Uh, my background was actually in business. Hmm. I had a business degree, and I became a Christian later in my life, my early 20s, and felt called to ministry pretty early on and thought I needed to go to Bible college, frankly, because I didn't have any seminary training. And uh, the Lord had other ideas, you know, how he'll throw a curveball your way. And so I ended up being in ministry for about 11 years with no theological training whatsoever. I was a reader, so I read a lot. I knew what was, what was going on in the, in the Christian culture. I knew what was going on with some theolo- you know, theology from a practitioner's point of view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after going to seminary, I uh, actually worked for the seminary for a while that I uh, attended 
and then went into higher education. And um, I was in, um, I worked for a school called North Central University in the Twin Cities. I was there for nine years, served as a vice president of uh, university relations, and uh, then felt called back into the local ministry. So my life has been really between two worlds. Yeah. About half of my life has been in pastoral ministry. Yeah. Last seven years, I was, a, I was a senior pastor. And um, and then about half of my life in higher ed, three different universities. And mm. so I'm sort of a mixture, and you're right, I love both worlds. Yeah. I, I love the local church. I, I believe in the local church. And I also uh, sense in my heart that these days, um, we need to have some people who are familiar with how a church really works. Yeah to be back in higher education, if I could say it like that, because I think it does require academics, and I don't want to downplay that whatsoever, but I do think that there's a place for people like me that have been um, actively engaged in ministry and have that voice heard by students as well. Yeah, I think it's critically important, and I actually think um, that's a really good place to start, in fact, because it's it's you and I share that same passion. I have one foot in higher ed and one foot in the local church, and I share a passion for both. And really, it's become one of my great passions that it seems as though in many ways, and you've been around long enough to see maybe how this started or maybe it got worse, but there was a day where, you know, if you didn't have a seminary degree as a pastor, then you really weren't qualified, if if you want to use the Mm -hmm. word, or you weren't positioned in a way... And it's become a thing of the past. And I'm not saying somebody can't be a great pastor that doesn't have a seminary degree. I know some, and they're great pastors. But there's there's been this effect where it seems as though the local church has turned its back on higher ed. Mm-hmm. And in almost as a response, higher ed has turned its back on the local church. It's like, well, fine. If you don't want us, then we're, you know. And so there's this huge chasm between the local church and higher education. And it's one of my greatest passions to try to bring that back. Yeah. And I, I don't know why or when or how uh, this dichotomy began to happen. Um, I know when 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 mega churches burst on the scene and growth and campuses and all these sort of things, it really began to kind of lean more towards leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying that that it's all the church's fault. Maybe higher education didn't keep up with the trends of what was happening in the local church, and we became quote unquote irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And we were training people how to preach sermons, but we weren't training people how to be leaders and lead in the local church and run business, the business side of the local church. So, I, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on that. And um, you felt this urge to go back to seminary, and we still see people do that. Obviously, our seminary is doing very well uh, here at TKU, so it happens. But wh- what are your thoughts on that? How do you, what do you think? Some of the dichotomies of that. Yeah, I think out you're was? raising great points, and I think. I think in terms of that pendulum swing, that we saw a real move, um, especially in mainline churches, to add education to the component to be a pastor. So what you you saw in a lot of those uh, churches is um, sort of a minimum of a master of divinity to even get a look. Right. And then over time, um, I think it was a convergence of several things, but one is... um, the charismatic Pentecostal renewal around yeah. the world, yeah. uh, people that were gifted uh, by the Holy Spirit and with some leadership ability began to see explosive growth in churches. And I think what happened is um, people began to wonder how important is a seminary education. Yep. So I think it's both of those things. I tell you what I think is bringing them together, though. Yeah. I have a thought, 
And I think part of that is driven by such a fast-changing culture that we're going to have to work together yes. to figure out how to make it work in the future. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons, frankly, why I really wanted to be a part of this particular school and seminary, because we are a seminary that is embedded within a local church. Right. So there is a conversation that's yep. always going on. We're always talking about the role of the church and the role of education. And I think it's just that conversation that's going to be needed in the days ahead. I mean, COVID has brought a lot of this to the surface. Yes. And part of it is that we're not sure what it all means yet. Right. How is this going to impact the church long term? Yep. We know what it's done short term, but what impact um, is going to happen I know that you pastor church, and um, the way that you pastor that church is influenced by the culture, but it's also influenced by the fact that you have some education. Right. You have friends that live in both communities yep. that you're able to have dialogue with, right? And that yeah. conversation helps you to know how to navigate. Yeah. Well, and I think hard times, you know, uh, it's easy. I say easy. That's a really not the right word. But you could start a church. Um, I, I tell my staff this sometimes. You can have church without God. It's as as sad as that is, and as scary as that is. You get a good band, you get a good singer, mm-hmm. you can steal a sermon from any preacher you want to, yep. and get up and preach it, and have a pretty good church, mm-hmm. you know. And so you can kind of coast, so to speak. I agree with you that what's happening in our times is there's something happening that could bring the two together because when hard times happen. Uh, and you can't just get up and preach a canned sermon or a self-help sermon. Like these are people are confused, they're scared, they're worried, they're fearful. And it's really when you have to start tapping into some of that the- theology yeah. uh, that I mean, I've had times where I've had to sit down with some of some of our people here at TKU. I've sat down with Dr. Cole many times and said, "Hey, let me flesh this out with you." Mm-hmm. Before I go up on a pul- on a pulpit and preach this, right? What? How does this feel? How does right. this sound? Am I am I preaching something that's not true? Right. And I think there's there's times when times get hard is when pastors have to go. Oh wow, okay, this is I can't just get up and phone it in. Yeah, I really have to bring some meat yeah. to encourage my flock. Yeah, and I think it's also knowing you know, um, it's knowing how to pastor a church in the midst of of a storm. That really helps define, I think, you as a pastor. Right. I think you're probably a better pastor now because yeah. of COVID. 100%. And, and I think that you're more aware, probably, of the struggles and the pain of people Yeah. Uh, because it's right in your face. You can't yeah. get away from it. So the skills that you need aren't going to be just getting the next latest sermon off the yeah. internet and preaching it because it's not enough, right? I mean, yeah. people are hungry for real help. And you really have to dive in and make really hard decisions. Uh, you're right. When, when hard times come, it, you know we have this p- picture, this this uh, metaphor used with the shepherd and the sheep. Mm-hmm. Right? There's the shepherd and there's the sheep. And when times are good, the sheep are just eating grass, and the shepherd's just kind of off chilling. You know, the yeah. shepherd's just kind of sitting on a rock, whittling a stick, or whatever the shepherd's doing. Right. But when a wolf comes in. It's time to, for the shepherd to do his job. Yeah. When when the yeah. sheep are starving and yeah. there's no grass, it's time for the shepherd to step up and yeah. do his job. And so you're right. Shepherds become better shepherds when there's hardship. Yeah. Um, and I and I I think there's this a story that I heard once that um, really touched me. Uh, a particular guy who I knew years ago that was a life coach mm-hmm. um, said to me one day out of the clear blue, he said, um, 
when are the most difficult times for rural uh, policemen, hmm. sheriffs? And it was so random that I didn't have an answer. I have no idea. He said, it's always during drought. Hmm. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because during drought, the lake waters go down to where you can see the tops of cars. Wow. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, fill in the blank there for me, because I still was not having a clue. Huh. He said, all of those cars represent people. Yeah, mysteries. That are mysteries some, some to be issue. solved, yep. and once you see it, you yeah. have to do something about it. You have to deal with it. Well, that's what COVID that's has done. That's really good, yeah. You see, we now have a need yep. to know what it means to touch God. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this. It's it's one of those times where, as a pastor, we really have to know how to personally connect with God, right? Yeah. I mean, this this comes out of who we are. Yeah. We have to have our own spiritual lives in order, don't we? I mean, we can't. Yes. You know, is it okay to say that sometimes you can fake it in ministry? I mean, you 100%, can sometimes fake right? it. Yeah. And you don't have your spiritual life together yeah. as much as you want to portray that image. Yep. Um, we really don't. And yeah. so it forces us to get right with God. But then secondly, it's going back and asking questions like, Lord, what is it that you need from me? How am I going to pastor this, yeah. this group of people that you've called me to pastor? And I know... For you, we've talked about things like, gosh, an old term like altar calls. Right. You know, that's a word you don't hear a lot. I but, know. But yet, <laughs> what is it that people really want? They need a way to be touched by God. Mm-hmm. And altar calls are ways for that to happen. Yeah. And if we're not familiar with those, let's refamiliarize yeah. ourselves with it because this is about us helping people to get in a place where God's grace and yeah. mercy can be felt. Yep. Yeah, it's the difference between, you know, Jesus talking to the crowd and feeding them information and parables and all the teachings that he did versus the woman with the issue of blood walking up and touching the hem of his gar- garment. She ex- some some heard Jesus, others experienced Jesus, right? And so, you know, we're having great crowds come back to our church. And I think it's because we're giving moments for people to experience, not just hear about it, not just hear a cute sermon, not just see cute graphics, but can I respond? Can I hear the word of God and then respond to the word of God? Because you can hear the word of God from home Mm -hmm. online Mm -hmm. and you can hear the word of God from your phone Mm -hmm. through a YouTube video or through a Instagram 60 second clip. But can you truly experience the presence of God? And I think that's going to be a key for the body of Christ moving forward is is not just having church, but giving moments of experience. Can I experience the presence of God? Yeah. And um, I think that's going to be so critical to to the future of the church. Yeah, you know, uh, people can get great speakers anywhere. Yeah. I mean, honestly, some of the best you'll hear may or may not be from churches. I mean, yep. you have people that are great speakers, have great content. You also have such a wealth of information. You can go anywhere and get good information. If yeah. you go to your computer and pull up anxiety, you can get plenty of help. Yep. I mean, it's there. So true. The question is, where do we go in the church to help people to get what I call beyond good information? Yep. Because the church is about connecting with God in ways that go beyond just a good uh, speech, mm-hmm. right? So yep. the good speech is part of it. And I think we have, as a church, maybe focused on that aspect of ministry yep. to the point 
where we have maybe focused too long, too hard on that aspect and not relied on the work of the Holy Spirit. As as many people that I know are discovering, is that it's sort of the post Ted era that we're yeah. moving into. Yeah. Ted Ted's was great, and we learned a lot about the communication. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we learned a yeah. ton. Yeah. We learned that you can say a lot in fifteen or twenty minutes. Yep. You know, and we learned from great communicators yep. that can inspire and move people. Yep. But that's as far as human interaction and human communication can take us. Yeah. There has to be something more that we offer. It's it's that something more that I think is so important for people like us who have been yeah. in pastoral ministry to ask, do we know how to do that? Yeah. Yeah, and we even talking about that. We've been having meetings here at TKU where we're sitting down with the faculty and saying, look, if if the church is changing, then how are we going to change with it? And I think that's so critical for seminaries. You know, we can't just keep doing what we've always done that's right. and assume that that's always going to work. Yeah. You know, it's the definition of insanity. And so we we have to shift and change too with that. And so I want to I want to even talk to you about that. Why do you feel like it's important? Shifting gears a little bit here. Why do you think it's important for a pastor to consider? Let's say somebody's out there pastoring, or they're they're not a senior pastor yet, they're an associate pastor, or maybe they are a senior pastor. They planted a church, they took a church over, it's been two or three years, they've kind of gotten over the hump, so to speak, and they've got a little more time on their hands. Why would you highly encourage a pastor to pursue more education? Because we need help. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, there's a lot of reasons for it, but one is that we really need to come around other people yeah. and have conversation about what's going on in the world, yeah. where are the uh, hot-button issues, um, not only for today, but, John, can we dialogue about what's on the horizon, right. what's out there eight, ten years from now, and yeah. can we begin to talk about it now so that when it happens, and we're going to be right at least part of the time, yeah. that we have an answer, that we have a game plan. Yeah. Um, and if we don't have those kind of discussions, that's not going to happen. But I think there's there are more reasons than that. Um, one of my favorite people in the world that uh, passed away last year, um, I once had him in to speak to a group of preachers that I was teaching. And I said to him, uh, his first name was Cy, and I said, Cy, if you could give them one bit of advice, because he was a, an internationally known speaker. I said, what's the one bit of wisdom you would give them? And he said, Contrary to what I thought he would say, to pray more and read the scripture, which is important, and it will always be important, what he said to the students that day was, remain an interesting person. And that struck me. That's Mm. odd. Mm. And yet what he was trying to say is, as you continue to read, as you continue to grow, as you continue to develop, you remain engaged in learning yourself. And as you learn and as you're growing, what comes out of you is interesting. Yeah. What comes out of you is going to connect ways. And, you know, he the analogy he used was sort of like a river versus a pond. Yeah. A river is fresh water that's flowing through you that's going to go out of you and touch people mm-hmm. because you're energized with what yep. you're learning. And so what comes out of you is fresh. It's alive. If you're working out of a stagnant pool of water, if all your stories are old stories. Yeah. If your only conversation points are connecting with what happened in the past, what is that going to be like for you as a communicator? Well, it's going to sound a lot like the same thing. Yep. 
over and over and over over and over again. So I think it's we need help, but I think it also helps you to stay connected with the latest textbooks, the latest things yep. that are being discussed, and, and connect with other pastors and other you pastors. Know, I tell which you, is I, the thing that I've learned more than anything, um, maybe that's not the right way to say it. Something I've learned a lot uh, becoming a pastor and meeting other pastors is how lonely pastors are. Absolutely, some of the most lonely people. And sometimes for good reason. I know it's hard. It's difficult to connect. It's hard to have meaningful, meaningful relationships with people in your church. How do I be vulnerable? How do I open up? And sometimes as a pastor, what I learned from being a pastor very quickly was the only people that ever come up to me are people who want something from me. Mm-hmm. And so the the automatic um, human response is to just disconnect. Yeah. Right. Every time I see a human's eyeballs, somebody wants something from me. It's a drain. So I'm going to become a green room pastor or whatever the case may be. So um, so I think there's this loneliness. And so I'll meet pastors all the time who if I give them just the tiniest shred of a sermon idea, you know, they cling to it. They're like, send me the graphic. I'm just ripping the whole thing. Send me all four weeks of the notes. I'm just going to rip mm-hmm. the whole sermon. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there comes this time where, and I, this is why I think one of the greatest reasons to go to seminary, um, and not that they're not hearing from the Lord, I, I believe that in some ways they are, but it really teaches you how to, like you're saying, become a river, like mm-hmm. just to continually be something be flowing through me that I'm always, I'm not always looking for the trendy, I'm not always looking for the cute or the right. polished or the great sermon series idea. I'm, I'm like, Lord, what are you saying to me? And how are you developing me and using me and challenging me? And that is going to flow through me to my sheep. Yeah. Um, I think seminary does a, does a great job of teaching us how to hear from the Lord, yeah. get biblical hum- hermeneutics, get the pneumatology aspects, just get all of those aspects of, of being a pastor and then begin to let that flow through us to become all, everything that God's created us to be. That's really good. And I think... Another thing about the connection is you you are surrounded by other people who are in the same place as you. Yes. And what happens in those environments is that you can begin, the old term is let your hair down. Yeah. I'm, mine's gone, a lot of it, so <laughs> I can't do that anymore. you got a decent amount up there. I still do. And, but, but the idea is, you know, where can you go yeah. to have those kind of honest conversations? Yeah. I remember one time we were talking um, – about church, and you were talking about LED lights on the back wall. Do you remember that conversation? I do, yeah, and, and, I do. and do we have enough money? And should we spend the money that yeah. way? Where else are you going to have those conversations? Right? Because if you had that conversation in certain rooms, they yep. would think, they judge oh, you. Well, they, oh, yes. I mean, yeah. you're going to misuse the money. Yeah. That's not what you should do. And then you got another set of people going, hey, go for it. You yeah. need better lights, better, <laughs> right. better sound. You know, the better, better places do that. And yeah. so where are you going to have those conversations? But yeah. around a table. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the other picture of seminary I would like to do, uh, f- help people to see is that this isn't a classroom, it's yeah. a round a table. Yeah. It's conversations. It's what do you know? Yeah. What do I know? Yeah. How can we help each other? Yeah, and one of the things that I, I think is so important about it is I'm a young I'm a younger, not, I can't really say I'm young anymore, but I'm a younger pastor. Yeah, you're young. <laughs> and you know, I think one of the things that higher education does for pastors is it lets us look back into history. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times young pastors, all we look at is laterally. We look we look at yeah. Mike Todd, we look at Stephen Furtick, we look mm-hmm. at whoever the pastors of today are. And I'm not saying that those pastors are missing it, but they're missing something, right? So yeah. sometimes we need to look back yeah. at pastors and theologians that have gone before us. Mm-hmm. And what can we learn, not from what's happening today, what can we learn from what's happening yesterday? I mean, 
one of the I'm no theologian, Doctor Doctor Call. You're you're more far more. You are a theologian compared to me, and you are a theologian. And I I I learned from going back in time. One of the guys that I've learned a lot from is Eugene Peterson, and yeah, just saying he, he died recently. Mm-hmm. But um, looking back and reading some of his books and getting a better understanding of what it really means to be a pastor, yeah. because if you look laterally today at other at today's pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure we always hit the mark on what it means to be a pastor. Um, I think we're never more of a pastor. I think I've said this on the show, but we're never more of a pastor than when we're sitting on the side of a hospital bed with a family as someone passes away and we're singing or praying while they, Mm -hmm. while they slip into eternity. That's pastoring. I'm not sure lights and traveling circuits Mm -hmm. and conference speaking. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure that's the true meaning Mm -hmm. of a pastor. And so I think the importance of seminary is it gives you perspective. It lets you look through a different lens Mm -hmm. to to discover what it truly means to be you as a pastor. And I don't have to compare myself with modern day people. I don't have to try to be anybody else. I can get a better lens of what how I'm supposed to be the pastor I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I think what, you know, what we hopefully do here and other seminaries for sure is to talk about the different models of how to do ministry, how to yes. pastor, because Eugene Peterson had a very unique calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I keep feeling like I should say we've talked about, but we've talked we have. about we that have. Eugene Peterson pastored churches of 300 or less. What would be considered a small church, and which would isn't that, a small church, but would it, but today but would would be it considered have been one. considered big enough yep. to be at the Catalyst Conference or the major conferences today? Yep. Probably not. Probably not. Because, okay, you only pastor 300, but he, his argument would be that um, my idea of pastoring is to have the ability to personally yep. minister to people Yep. And so for him, he found great excitement and joy in doing the big aspects of marrying people, yep. being involved in baby dedications. Yep. That brought him life because life. it was the day-to-day stuff. He had his hands yep. on those things. When the the real troubling events of life would happen, like divorces, yep. he had them in his office talking with them. Yep. Uh, with the death of somebody in the family, he was the one doing the funerals. And so one model... A very a very important model that yeah. we need to remember yeah. is what I call that Eugene Peterson model, where yeah. his idea of ministry was to find great contentment mm-hmm. in being able to pour your life into a few. Yep. He knew all 300 of those people's names. Yep. He knew their histories. He served them for over uh, nearly 40 years. Yeah. And so he knew Same them over the long period of time. Yeah. So it brought a depth, right? Yeah. And so... Here at the church, I mean, here at the school, I look at the local church today, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are listening to us today who have churches that are 100 or less. And what I want to say to them is if that's what God's called you to do, embrace it. Embrace it. Love it. Find contentment in what you're doing because you're doing something valuable for the kingdom. I, I I even said this um, at the time we're recording this. It's it's January this past Sunday. Even in in my sermon, I I talked about because I I love I actually love that model of ministry. I think um, this is going to be really weird for me to say because I pastor make a church, but I actually think that that is um, truly pastoring. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I actually I I think that that's a beautiful model of ministry. And what I think if you so if you pastor a large church, this is kind of the way that that I have started filtering this as saying, you know what, God, if 
if my church never grows, I'm okay. Yeah. And I think that was really a purification for my heart. There was mm-hmm. a time where I was wanting this and that and grow. We got to do this. We got to do this. And the measure was how, how many campuses do you have? How many people do you have? And I felt like God really took me through a purification process to where I was really able to say, um, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. My identity is not wrapped up in yeah. how big my church is. And what I felt like the conviction for me was, is, it's as if the Lord was saying, when you get to heaven, John, and you stand before me for judgment, I'm not going to judge you based on how big your church was. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be like, well, John, you're over here, yeah. Yeah. and Craig's over here, right. and then Eugene Peterson's over here. Like, why are we so consumed with this? And I, there, there's a pull there because we want to bring more people to Jesus, and right. I'm not discounting that. Right. I think that's valuable, and we should have that evangelistic pull as I well. Know. But if it takes my heart, that I think that's the difference. It's okay to have that push and have that draw, but it's always this, Paul would always say, examine yourself. Mm-hmm. Examine your heart. What's the why? What's yeah. the true why? Is right. the true why so I can have more influence and have more value? Or is it really to, to advance the kingdom? I yeah. think that's a, that something that every pastor has to answer for themselves. Because I'm not responsible. This is what I, I, I told my staff just this past week. I'm not responsible for the breadth of my church. I'm responsible for the depth of my church. It's mm, good. And so... It, I want to be consumed with how do I take these people to a deeper level mm-hmm. in Christ and disciple them, and then God determines the breadth. Yeah. And I think many times we are really tempted as pastors to do the opposite of that. We're yeah. tempted to grow, 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 mm-hmm. and then we never really look back to see what the result is of our people and how you know the pre-test, post-test. post-test. That's right. <laughs> is anybody growing mm-hmm. here, or, are mm-hmm. we, or is the church just growing? Yeah. And I think that's a filter that every pastor needs to kind of walk their heart through. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, what I would say, John, is um, as you've as you're going through that process, yeah, one of the things that I know that you do extremely well is build teams. I've seen that here at the school. You build great teams. You invest mm-hmm. in those leaders. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's not part of our answer. Absolutely. Is that yes? Your heart to do that kind of personal touch ministry is going to be filtered down to those who are on your team right here at the school it would be your directional leadership team you know those people have to hear that from you on a constant basis so that every student matters right so you're filtering that in and then at the church you're you're teaching your staff that ministry looks like this. Yep. Even though I may not have as many opportunities to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. I still want to be able to go to the hospital. Yep. And I need you to go to the hospital with that kind of pastor's heart. Yeah. So as you grow, you have to spread your influence. Have to. So this is the part of why I'm not scared about growing churches. Yep. See, your church is growing. You have a yep. big church. I'm not so worried about it because I hear from you saying... I may not be able to do all yep. of that for the size of church that I have. I can't. Yep. I need help. Yeah. So we add staff so that we can pour into those staff members yeah. so that the, the, the people that come on your team get that John Chastain flavor yeah. of what ministry is. That's part of what you do as a leader, right? Yeah. Here's what I would say is keep enough of that for you to never forget it. Yeah, that's good. I think you've got to do some. Yep. I know some pastors that say, I'm too big, I've got to delegate. I get that. I can't go to the hospital. But yeah. I think it may be that you need 
to be able to do that because yeah. it keeps you connected. It keeps you grounded too, and it, it keeps it keeps you grounded into what your true call is. And isn't this what Jethro did with Moses? Yeah, comes to Moses and says, "Hey, look, man, that's right. We're trying to pastor three million people. You're going to go crazy, <laughs> yeah, and you can't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so build so, teams. And Moses laid his hands on people, and yeah. anointing was transferred. And so pastoring was transferred, so to speak. And so I think that is that is the the key for sure, because there is a group of people that I truly pastor. But yeah. if I try to say that I'm pastoring these thousands of people, no, it's a guilt trip. You're right. you're going down a rabbit hole as a pastor that you'll never be able to climb out of. Yeah. So I think it's I think that's really really. And, good. and I think that's where some organizational skills have helped us, and we learn yeah. that from people that talk to us about organizational things Mm -hmm. that we talk about here at the seminary because there is an aspect of that, right? So I think it's this idea that we want to be pastoral in heart, and you said it right. It's motivation, isn't it? It's a heart. I remember talking to a megachurch pastor when I was in, in ministry a few years ago, and he pastored a huge church. And very in a very confidential conversation once, he said, I wish I could go back to pastoring a church of three or 400. Wow. And I said, tell me about why. And he said a lot of the same things we've talked about because I felt called to touch people. Now yeah. all I do is I run an organization. I feel like I'm more of a CEO yeah. than a pastor. Yeah, I get that. So I guess my question back to you, if I could do that and be yeah. so bold, sure, John, how do you find living with the sense of it's a, it's a big church mm-hmm. and I need to do a good job of organizing well, and yet I want to keep my heart yeah. sensitive to people. How are you negotiating that? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a challenge, you know, and, and even being tugged from, from both sides. Now I get, I feel like I get to lay on a couch and talk to Dr. Call. He's going <laughs> to counsel me here. Well, and I was thinking about you also are the president <laughs> of the of yeah. school. And yeah. so there's but just a little bit there. What's cool is that I started my ministry as a campus pastor at this church, right? So I was a campus pastor first before I was the senior mm-hmm. pastor. So even I got a flavor of pastoring a smaller group of people. So when I launched, I actually launched the campus as the campus pastor. So, you know, it started at 200, then went to 300, then went to 500, then went to 600, and now that campus is 800, 900. So I got to launch that campus and and have a core group of people that I was their pastor. Like as a campus pastor, I loved these people. I did life with these people. And so now even becoming the senior pastor of that church with with other campuses, there's still this pocket of people mm. within this church that I really feel like I truly pastor them. And this is this is where I um you know wrestle back and forth with sometimes is I feel like I'm a pastor to some of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really, it boils down to what's the definition of a pastor? Sure, right. That's yeah. the bigger question. Yeah. What's a pastor? Right. Because some of some some of us are preachers, not pastors, mm-hmm. and so, but we're pastoring pockets of people within the church. Mm-hmm. So we're still pastors, mm-hmm. and I think that's the wrestle. I don't know if there's any listeners that are listening to this that understand what I'm talking about, but there's this tension within a pastor who preaches a church large enough where you people call you pastor. And when somebody calls you something that you don't feel like you're being the fulfillment of, there's guilt that comes with that. So there's a pocket of people that I would say, yes, 100%, I am their pastor. They can call me at midnight. They can call me at 2 in the morning. I'll be at the hospital. I'll be at their wedding. I'll be at their when their babies are born. And then there's other people who come up to you that say, hi, Pastor John. And I'm like, I have no idea who you even are. I was at lunch Sunday after church. 
and I just got done preaching and I'm having lunch with my family and somebody comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and just starts talking about how great the sermon was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. And they're calling me pastor. And so there's this almost a guilt you feel like, I want to be the fulfillment of what you're calling me. Mm -hmm. And that's the wrestle within, I think, for pastors uh, that have churches that that are getting to the size where I can't touch everybody. But I think it's it's I think it's okay to carry that tension. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should write that off. No. I think that's Craig tells me all the time. A lot of things I'll bring to to you know one of my pastors is Craig Groeschel, and I'll, I'll come to him and I'll say, hey, this is a this is something I'm struggling with, and he, and many times he'll say that's not a tension to be solved. That's a tension to be managed. Mm. And what he means by that is don't let that tension go ever because yeah. that tension is right. what's keeping you grounded yeah. and humble, and so. Letting it go enough to where it's not driving me into the ground with guilt because it's the Jethro Moses principle, right? right? I got to delegate. Uh, I got to let campus pastors pastor people that I can't touch. So that's the tension, right? That we're wrestling with within as the church grows and as the influence grows and all those sort of things. As you um, feel that, as that <clears throat> comes to your heart, I think it serves as a motivation, doesn't it? That yeah. that we want to make sure that that person that just said hello to you that you don't know mm-hmm. really has someone in their life right. that is touching right. them at a deep level, which makes us more, um, I guess, energized by by making sure that we're pastoring our teams well. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna pastor, then you're gonna have to, and as it grows, you have to learn how to pastor your leaders. Right. That is that could be volunteers all the way up to staff pastors, and that that coaching, they have to feel a sense in which the people they're pastoring they have this love for, this deep connection to, so that when you're having lunch out there, yeah. the beauty would be, I may not have that, but I know there's mm-hmm. somebody on my team That's that right. does. That's right. That gives you that kind of assurance. So the yeah. motivation moves you to do something that can provide right. that, that. spreads it. Right, spreads yeah. it through your yeah. team. That's the key. That really is the key. And to- right now, that's where you live. Right. And that's a good place to live yeah. is feeling that tension, yeah. but having the tension be used mm-hmm. in a manner that's going to help produce an environment yep. where those needs can be met. Yeah. They just may not be met by you, just like they didn't get met by Moses That's forever. Right. That's right. Moses became sort of the cork in the bottle yeah. that had to be released because he was backed up right. with lines of people trying to talk to him. That's right. He so, had to, he had to yeah, he had to reproduce himself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And spread you could, that culture. And I think you can do that. Yeah. I think people can do that. And that's part of what we talk about is there are transitions, right? I mean, yeah. as you went through the various numbers you were going through, at 200, you could pastor that group. Yep. At what point could you no longer be the pastor for it? I remember when it was. I remember whenever my phone was getting to the point where it was exploding so much that my wife said, this has got to change. Yeah. And that's when it became apparent to me that, okay, now being a pastor is causing me to neglect my own family. And that's not a good thing. And I think that that's the crucial point that pastors, when 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 your job as a shepherd begins to impede on your responsibility as a father, that's really the or or a husband or a wife, mm-hmm. that's really when your your bells need to start going off. The alarm needs to start going off. And I say, okay, I need to start duplicating myself because this is now impeding on my well being as a person. And if I can't be a, a whole person, then I could never be a pastor. If like that's what we're talking about when you're trying to lead out of a depleted self, mm-hmm. and so 
that is really the, uh, you know, you know that when your gas gauge gets to empty, you better stop and get more gas or you're not going to get where you're going. Yeah. And I think that's the gas gauge for pastors. When, when I don't feel complete and whole, something's got to change or I'm going to take this whole church down with me, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And who do I have that I can talk to, to be honest with, yeah. and share my heart and right. my struggles and my issues? And that's right. where, again, going back to, right. it's all kind of looping together, but pastors are lonely. Yeah. And when we don't have anybody we can pour our hearts out to, um, man, we end up leading depleted, and it's devastating. Yeah. One of the things we talk about is a funny little axiom. Uh, it's, it's changing the narrative, mm-hmm. the, the story that we, that we have ongoing in our head. And at a certain point, John, you had to change your narrative about what a pastor was all about. That's good. There, yep. there came a point where you had to change that yep. for healthy to, to remain healthy. Yep. You had to change the narrative that was in your brain of what it meant to be a pastor. So true. So true. Changing that narrative can change your church, mm-hmm. but it has to start with you. Yep. So you have to change your own narrative. Yep. You have to change what you view as a successful pastor. Yep. And when you make that change, then you're able to move forward yep. into new arenas, and you're going to leave some old arenas behind. Yep. But that has to start in your head. That's so true. And once you start believing that, then you can impart that. You can lead that way. You can lead that way. You can lead that way. Yeah. Well, this is going to be one of our longer podcast, but that's okay. We're having a great conversation. I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, as far as being, what do you love about being um, a professor? Like what, what do you love and what are some of your favorite classes to teach? Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I love it all. Yeah. Um, but I think the one I gravitate most to is um, in this school, we have a strong connection to Jack Hayford mm-hmm. and his ministry. And he, and he wrote a book and he wrote, uh, uh, several books and talked a lot about the spirit formed life. Hmm. So, as you know, every aspect of the university, both at the undergrad, grad, and doctoral level, we teach on spiritual formation. Yep. That's my that's my sweet spot. Yeah. And I'm currently in a, a program of study at uh, another seminary, um, and I'm studying an, again about hmm. spiritual formation, spiritual direction. Yeah. And I and I do think spiritual direction, um, learning how to listen well to people and and write, write their ships, so to speak, in the storms and helping them to know how to process through spiritually is really a key to our churches moving forward because yeah. I think more and more people are coming to us from such a variety of backgrounds that they're no longer just a part of one de- denomination. I mean, the people in your church didn't mm-hmm. all come from one denomination. Right. So we can't do a cookie-cutter thing anymore. So to be a, a spiritual director is having the ability and the skills to bring out of those people's lives how to move to continue to grow in the Lord. Yeah. So I think that is going to be a part of a discipleship journey for local yep. churches, and we have to figure out how to do that because it's slow, yep. it's messy, it doesn't produce the numeric That's stuff. That's right, yeah. It's more the going it's deeper. deep, not wide. It's deep, not <laughs> wide. And so... Um, that's my heart. I also love teaching preachers. Mm. I actually love preaching. Yeah. Um, I I I love teaching yeah. how to preach and and helping people, as I say, find their voice. So good. Um, and so tomorrow we're going to be listening to about four or five really really good preachers, and mm. we're going to dialogue. What makes them attractive? Uh, what is it about them that that appeals to you? And look at the positives um, to accentuate 
because if you've never really had the opportunity to preach, yeah. finding your voice is knowing what you like, knowing who you are. It's being very self-aware. Being you, yeah. It's being you. We've talked yeah. about being yeah. you and, and being able to incorporate who you are and how are you going to communicate yep. the greatest news that can be told so good. and do it with the best ability you can. That's so good. So I would say those two. I also like what would be more of ministry management, ministry skills, because I think, again, you need to know how to do basic things in the church. You need to know how to read a balance sheet. That's where my <laughs> business background comes in. So managing people, small yep. groups, and those things are all important. Team building, Yeah, I like those classes. Anything that's practical, that's yeah. what I'm here to do, and that's the part that I think God's called me to do. So the joy in that is yeah. if I can help one student Understand the joy, that's, the absolute that's so true, joy right? of pastoring. Yep. I've done my job. That's so good. Because we tend to think of the negative, and there are there challenges always, always. but there are incredible joys. You so can't true. get anywhere else. So and when true. you're right in the middle of what God wants you to do, there is nothing like and, it. And knowing that you planted a seed, right? So if we, you, know, you send out a student. You said, if I can just teach yeah. one student, if I can t- touch one student, that student's going to go out to produce right. more fruit. Right, which will produce more seeds. Yeah. So knowing that you get to be a part of that. Yeah. So as we wrap up, just give us a good like. Um, I know that you're a contemplator. You you're a you're a, a brilliant thinker. As you've digested the craziness of this world, um, we're creeping up on almost a year of just insanity. And you know, I don't even have to list the things because everybody listening to this already knows the, the, all the insanity that's taken place. And at the time of this podcast. It's like the second week of January. So who knows what's going to happen by the time this podcast airs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what is your take on maybe what God is doing or what God is trying to shift in the church or what what is going to happen? You know, I know nobody has a crystal ball and nobody knows. Yeah. So we're not saying you're the expert. Tell us. But yeah. what are you sensing? A couple of things. Uh, my first is I think a lot of what's happened should be uh, working humility in all of us mm-hmm. because we don't know what's coming yeah. and we don't have all the answers. And it's okay to be humble and mm. say, you know, God, I need you. Mm. I think the other thing is to acknowledge that we're anxious. And I know that we can act like, well, we're Christians, we shouldn't be. But I think the key of anxiety, isn't it, is to be able to cast our anxiety on him. Right. He's not saying... You know, you're never going to be anxious. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. And I think yeah. there are a lot of people in ministry today that are anxious. What's I what's the future going to be about? What you know, what's the new thing? What what am I going to do to pull out of this? And yeah. I think is to be honest with God and say, God, I'm feeling these things. Yeah. So I'm going to put my trust in you in a new way this yeah. year. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to delve more deeply in these things called, you know spiritual disciplines, uh, things that'll draw me closer to you so that I can hear clearly your voice because it's your voice that I want to hear above all the others. Mm. There are a lot of opinions that are going to be floating out there, but God, I really just want yours. So help me to get to a place where I can silence myself, quiet myself, slow myself down because a lot of us are hyperactive and that's what makes us successful on one hand because we're busy. Always doing you know, Richard Foster said, busyness is the curse of our age. Mm. I think he's right. I think we have to slow down. Yep. Listen for that still small voice and be humble. Yep. I think those are the ingredients of moving forward, which doesn't sound 
like the strong leader. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the person who's going to charge ahead. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's not part of the lesson that we've got yeah. to learn. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of tension and a lot of division. And there's a lot of the the Christ followers, the local church who are have become consumed, and this is the Church Intention podcast, so I might as well talk about some tension stuff, have become seemingly, seemingly more consumed with advancing the United States mm. than with advancing the kingdom. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we've become, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not a patriot. I'm a patriot. I yeah. love the United States. I love yeah. that we're one nation under God, right. and I'll always stand for those values, and I'll do what I need to do to stand up for right. that. But if we ever become more staunch in standing up for the, patriotism mm. of our nation than we do for the kingdom of God, mm. then I sense something may be wrong. And so I feel like the 2020 caused all humanity to like curl into a ball, like the hedgehog principle. You curl yeah. into a ball to yeah. protect your vital organs. Yeah. And we become very prickly, like a hedgehog. And so we, 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 we nobody wants to come near us because we, we're trying to protect ourselves. And as we kind of come out of our um, curling, so to speak, that I, I really pray and I believe that there's going to be a turning back to the kingdom. I talk mm. to a lot of Christ followers nowadays, a lot of people who are just saying, I don't watch the news anymore. I've just turned it off. I don't yeah. care. I can't yeah. watch it anymore. Right. I just want to know what God has to say. Right. I'm go- right. I, I have to have some truth because I can't find truth anywhere else. And so I'm. if there's one thing I do know, and you could speak to this too, is that when times are bad, churches are full. Yeah. And so if if God is turning up the heat, he is a refining God. Yeah. He turns the if we want to be pure as gold, the mm-hmm. heat has to be turned up. And yeah. so if my perspective is no, I don't want some of this to happen and what's happening in our nation and the division and the struggles and the rumors that could could be what be but what if God's turning up the heat mm-hmm. to turn the hearts of man mm-hmm. back to him? Mm-hmm. Both Christ followers and non-Christ right. and non- right. non-Christ right. followers. <clears throat> and um, every knee should bow. Every every, every mm. tongue will confess. Well, usually when that happens, it's because we have no other option. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think people are going to be coming more and more in tune, or the pursuit of God. So in my quiet time this past week, last week, I was praying for the nation, praying for all these things, and I felt like the Lord. I felt like the Lord said to me, "Well, you've been praying for revival, haven't you?" Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, like like the Lord was saying, "Well." Revival doesn't come in times of mm-hmm. prosperity, mm-hmm. John. Mm-hmm. Revival comes in times of persecution. Right. So if you really want revival, you better be careful what you pray for. Yeah. Because in order for people to turn their hearts back to the Lord, it means that the earthly things of comfort have, have vanished. Right. And so I have right. no option but to turn to the Lord. This is what we are learning that many churches in third world countries have known. Yes. You see, the a few years ago, the the growth of the Christian Church um, was most resonating in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. So, in South America, in Africa, yep. you began to see churches exploding. Yep. This is what I think we part of this humility thing I was talking about is that are we able to hear from our brothers and sisters in third world countries that would say to you, COVID for you is changing everything. We live with this kind of disease and pressure all the, all time. the time. And it's their dependency new. on God is so right. great because of it. And so we 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 actually have something that can help you. Yeah. 
if you will just listen, you know, yeah. it's, it's taking this listening ear. I wonder if we couldn't learn from some brothers and sisters yeah. in the in places where this kind of life of disease and yeah. pandemic. You know, we call it a pandemic because it's worldwide, yep. but you know, some pandemics we're not even aware of because it never touched our shore. Yep. But it did touch three fourths of the world. And so could we learn from those? Hundred percent. And so I think part of it is saying, teach us not only Lord, but That's our brothers so and true. sisters in Christ that can say, Let me tell you how to make it through these yeah. really difficult times. Welcome to suffering. Welcome, We've been suffering for years. Suffering. And they see miracles and signs and right. wonders. And right. we hear stories of in right. these third world countries of right. yeah, I saw someone's arm grow back. And us Westerners, <laughs> we're just like, What? We can't even wrap our minds around that because our our dependency on the Lord. Yeah is so limited because we have everything we need. Yeah, and we we can handle anything on our own. So true. Until we can't. So true. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back on and in, in, in we'll see what uh, what this world came about and we'll be yeah. able to reflect on what we, we were what we were saying today. So, Dr. Call, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being such a great asset to this university and to the body of Christ. Hey Amen. It's great being here. So Thank if, you. if listeners want to get in touch with you, I know they can go to tku.edu sure. and find you there. Is there any other way? Best way? I'm not asking you to give out your cell phone number. Please don't no, do that. But, but e- what, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Email. Awesome. Yeah, dan.call, C-A-L-L, at tku.edu. It's very simple. Uh, and it's on the website, too. Yep. So please, yeah, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Or maybe some of you are thinking about going back to school. Um, this is not going to be a, yeah. a used car sales job. I'll talk to you yes. and say maybe it's time, maybe it's not. But let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, I love that. You really love pastors. And so he wants to help you pastor you through that process. So I appreciate that about you. Guys, thank you for listening today. Um, Thank you for for being a part of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please give us a review. Give us a five-star review if you don't mind. And and post some comments. Share it on social media. We would love for you to help us spread the word as we get out uh, the word about the Church in Tension podcast. Love you guys. We will see you on the next episode. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Church Intention Podcast. For more information, visit churchintention.com. The King's University is an accredited, spirit-empowered evangelical university in Southlake, Texas. To learn more, visit tku.edu.